we're seeing client leads coming into our community left and right. And I think that will continue to happen and and increase because companies are going to be changing the way that they are also employing people. So it won't just be that nine to five model of I'm an employer hiring you as my employee and we have to have benefits and do all this kind of stuff. Instead, it's going to be like, hey, I'm looking for this specific service or skill set. I can hire a contractor because I don't need a full-time 40-hour-a-week type of person. Hey, Feasters. Welcome to Episode 9 of Season 8 of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a brand new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. If you've heard the show before, well, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or drop in a comment on Breaker or CastBox. Today's co-host is Gina Horky, another two-time co-host. She appeared way back in the first season, episode 10. Gina is married. She's a mom of two precocious kiddos from Minnesota, as she phrases it. But additionally, she's the founder of several websites, which now includes GinaHorky.com. Gina specializes in helping everyday folks learn hard digital marketing skills to launch their own service-based business online, as well as working from the comfort of their own home or anywhere they desire. Her background includes making a living as a professional writer, an online business marketing consultant, and a decade of experience in the financial services industry. Gina and I worked together a few years ago, and Gina is one of those real deals on the web. In this episode, we dive into how the freelancer economy has been changing in recent years and what has changed as a result of the pandemic. We're also going to get into a boatload. I hope you have your pencil ready and paper because she shares a ton of ideas on how to get yourself out there and market yourself simply and effectively. And finally, we're going to talk about podcasting as a marketing tool for your business, as well as a service offering. Gina has a keen eye on what skills to master to help other businesses. She's got a great resource if you do love podcasts and want to master the skills and strategies needed to grow podcasts for small businesses as a host or supporting one. I've shared a special link in the show notes if you want to go ahead and grab that. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Feasters, welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast, and I'm excited to bring on Gina here. Welcome, Gina. Thanks for having me once again. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a history. Right? <laughs> We've worked together in the past. A non-romantic history. Right. We need to yes, make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, we worked together in the past. You've been yeah. on my podcast early on, really mm-hmm. early on. And so I'm super excited to dive in here. I know you have been building a business for a long, long time. Your why certainly aligns with my why, and we'll probably dive into that a little bit. And in the context of this season, building businesses, it's a weird, unique time. Totally. And right now, at the time of this recording, me and New York, we're starting on that downturn, maybe coming out of the tunnel a little bit, seeing that light at the end of this tunnel of this COVID thing, and you're still on the rise where you're mm-hmm. at. And so how have you been, one, navigating it? And two, what do you think, how are your business is going to progress moving forward from this and potentially this terrible turn in the economy that's going to happen? 
Yeah, those are both really good questions. Before we dive in, though, I will say that we met in person at an event. So the way that we met wouldn't be happening right now, which I right. think is a little ironic. Um, the two of us met through Brennan Dunn, W Freelancing, both big fans. I used to actually work on his team as a virtual assistant doing customer service. And I was speaking at a conference and you had a table out in front promoting mm-hmm. what it was that you were doing. So I just had that kind of memory come in and I thought I would share and then we stayed in contact after that. And I don't remember if I was on your show first or hired you to do some back-end development work on Horky Handbook, which is my brand and main company side of things. But how am I doing? I thought I was doing fine. So we go down south to South Padre Island, Texas each winter. And we went down there this year for January and February. We ended up buying a house, which was really interesting timing because as we were able to close and put it on the market, they said, oh, no rentals. You can't rent out your brand new place that uh, we were excited to have as an asset to diversify our portfolio as well as a different income stream too that was dependent on on different variables, obviously. And we took it in stride and we got our first renters in at the beginning of May and the very first rental, the air conditioning unit backed up and it flooded through the first and second floor. So we, um, to back up, came back home on March, I think, 16th or 17th. And that very day that we got back home, we pull our kids out of public school and homeschool. And while we're down there, the school shut down here in Minnesota. And so they've been homeschooled since right after Christmas. And Mm. we have a long summer ahead of us. (laughs) Uh, In fact, my husband and I were supposed to start a podcast called Horky HQ or like headquarters, you know, kind of the behind the scenes of business Mm. and relationships and He quit his job, for those of you that don't know my story, in 2013 to become a stay-at-home dad when our daughter was born. And our kids are 19 months apart. Our daughter's the younger of the two. And and then I started my business in the spring of 2014 and left my corporate job behind at the end of that year in order to freelance and offer services online. And, And then I started teaching what I was learning and what was working for me as far as offering services online. So how am I doing? Okay. Like I think that it is catching up with me more now. Like I didn't think that I was all that affected just because of the way that my business and life looks naturally. Mm -hmm. You know, like everything's online and I'm in my office right now, which is just steps away from my home. So it's on our property. Like I didn't commute before. I'm not commuting now. I don't really leave the house that often. Um, not because I'm like a hermit or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'd go to the gym. You know, we go to Target. We'd probably go out to dinner, or go to the movies or take the kids to the park. And, and so most of our life is the same, except for the kids are at home 24-7. That's the reason we didn't do the podcast because we literally don't get an hour to like speak to each other one-on-one. <laughs> our daughter will be seven here next month and our son mm-hmm. is uh, going to be nine in October. And so they're at the point where they're more self-sufficient than your children, for example, but they're still like, you can't go to the bathroom without somebody knocking on your door kind of thing, right? The mind opens the door. So <laughs> my husband always tells me to lock it. That's what I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing. But Yeah. So things are okay, but I think it's kind of wearing on me a little bit. It also has caused, you know, just stress out there in the universe and the environment and just people are feeling more stress. And I think then are more quickly to like react, especially in like a negative emotional manner. And I don't have any like specific examples or anything like that to bring to the table, but you can just feel it like Mm -hmm. humidity. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. As far as how our business is navigating, uh, you know, there were just record unemployment numbers that were released. We were just watching a clip just before we hopped on this call. And, you know, you would think almost there'd be some outpouring of people that are looking to work virtually. And I think there is for sure. And our our business is totally holding steady. We're not on a decline. Year over year, we're probably about even right now. And, and we've got some different kind of efforts that we're investing both resources and time and things like that into. But I think there's still some fear and uncertainty out there and, and maybe people that should or could be investing in online education and, and freelancing and stuff like that might be holding back a little bit. Are you finding it's the same or what's it like in your world? Yeah. So to your point, one, I felt the same weight and I called it a weight. And being in New York, we had our stresses a little bit earlier than most mm-hmm. people in the US. And so for me, I wound up having to just take a day. Like I told my wife and I told clients and I said, hey, look, I just need a day of space. We probably should all do that more often to be right. realistic, but that's good. And to your point though, it was like, 
it wasn't anything that I could pinpoint. It was just this, you know, once I'm in my office and I work from home, I don't hear what's going on outside. I don't hear the radio. I turn the notifications off and things like that. And so it's pretty much status quo on the day. But then once I open up the door at the end of the day, all that stuff comes at me and just the worry. And I'm not one that worries. I'm usually like, hey, I don't have any control over that stuff. So why even think about it? It's not headspace, right? But for whatever reason, this just whole thing for me, it was like a little bit of a stressor on me as a person. And so I was just like, hey, Let's just take up spacer day mm-hmm. and try to clear my head, get away from the screen, enjoy the kids, you know, whatever, whatever it was. And so it helped me just to kind of reset a little bit sure. and then come back hard. But same thing, like, you know, I do a lot of email marketing and automation and things like that. And for my business, it's been pretty good. In fact, some of my clients are having their best years yet because of what has happened. Because people have not stopped shopping. They are all spending right. money. We're just doing it from the comfort of our home in our sweatpants behind a laptop. Absolutely. And the thing is, is like some of my clients, they're primed for this sort of a thing. I have a, a SaaS business that it does text messaging. So mm-hmm. they do things like schools and churches and businesses and stuff like that. So that area of business is doing well for them. Yeah. But likewise, I had, you know, I had a nonprofit that based, you know, it was a local nonprofit that had to close up and because all their events were canceled for the spring and summer. And so after 17 years, it's sad, but they couldn't do anything else. Right. And so, but in the context, same thing, I thought, you know, Hey, look, people are working from home now. They're not going to the office. I've found a little bit of a wave of a side hustle becoming more important for some folks. People are more interested in learning how to run a business online than they had been in the past, how to work from home. Yeah, the media has definitely picked it up as a story. Absolutely. And to your point, I mean, you know, you have a VA staffing, you help VAs, freelancers, you know, helping other online businesses fulfill gaps that they have with people. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I would think that there's a great opportunity for people that even thinking of, hey, look, maybe I lost several clients, but I have a skill set. I could do quick design work. I could do some things yep. that maybe other online businesses need. But how do I do that in quick work? Like I'm used to contracts and retainer work and big mm-hmm. projects and things like that. It's a different mindset. It's a different business model. And so a lot of people, at least from what I've seen, are apprehensive. They're afraid of changing what they know and getting out of their own comfort zone, if you will, Mm -hmm. and two new opportunities that are now presenting themselves. And I think now with all of that's going on, I think business is going to be different. I think Mm society is going to be different. I think that you're going to have to adjust if you want a sustainable business at this point in time. Oh, 100%. You have to flex. And we're seeing that with small businesses that are normally dependent on foot traffic, right? Like it's amazing to see, you know, like a physical therapist take their business online when you would think they could only think, do things in person one-on-one. And there's different things that they can bring to the table being kind of in that knowledge worker age that we're in. And I will say that businesses aren't shy from hiring. Like we're seeing client leads coming into our community left and right. And I think that will continue to happen and and increase because companies are going to be changing the way that they are also employing people. So it won't just be that nine to five model of I'm an employer hiring you as my employee and we have to have benefits and do all this kind of stuff. Instead, it's going to be like, hey, I'm looking for this specific service or skill set. I can hire a contractor because I don't need a full-time 40-hour-a-week type of person. So I think that the freelancing economy has continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. But I think it'll actually reach an even bigger tipping point here soon, if it hasn't already. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be somewhat... I mean, it's been a pretty steady growth. And now it's like 32% of the workforce. Now with that huge unemployment number, I think there's going to be a little bit of a hockey stick because... Some people with great skills are going to find their way into mm-hmm. exactly what you mentioned, yep. contract to work. And you know they have a skill set that business is going to need. Because those businesses are unemployed, they're going to lay off all of these people. They're going to still also need to carry on business once everything backs up, right? 
Oh, the work still has to get done. A hundred percent. Yeah. And for those of you that might be tuning in that have lost a couple of bigger contracts, because that's something that happens is people, you know, their natural inclination is to cut the fat, right? And so maybe you've been laid off and you're a contractor and you've lost a bigger type of client, you know, it might be time to put the marketing hat back on. And if you haven't done it for a while, it always seems a little uncomfortable or maybe even scary, but figure out how you can be of service. And that does not mean working for free, but try and take on some smaller projects, maybe like a one-time type of deal. And then, you know, I would really suggest that you spend some time figuring out what are the needs of that business. Oftentimes when our like virtual assistants, and by the way, we define a virtual assistant as anyone that's trading time or task in return for pay from a client that needs it. And they can be doing it anywhere on a virtual basis worldwide. You can work with clients. And you know what we find with people is oftentimes it's that one thing that somebody needs help with. And if you do a great job, then they would love to come back to you, somebody that they're developing a relationship with, that like, know, and trust factor to hire you to do the work even if you don't know how to do it or haven't done it before. So it's always getting that foot in the door. And if you've been established and you find yourself in this position of starting over a little bit when it comes to marketing and filling your client roster, like I would caution you to, to get too big of a head or ego on taking those smaller projects. Or, and maybe it's time for you to sharpen your skills and add some different tools to your belt too. One thing that Gina brings to everything that she does is hard-hitting truth. Honestly, it's one of the reasons why we work so well together back in the day. That aside, she makes a great point here when it comes down to your business. And if you've seen a little bit of a downturn in clients, it's time to put your marketing hat on. It's time to start some conversations and it's time to start to see where you could fill some gaps in other businesses that now have some holes. During last month's Feast Club live Q&A, we had 10 or so people during that call talking about ways that they've helped their existing and potential clients that they may not have thought about had 2020 been like any other year. Learning from successful people running businesses, trying new strategies and growing together as easy as possible for you and other developers and designers and creative professionals providing client services shouldn't be too difficult to obtain. That's why Feast Club exists. Check it out, feastclub.co. For only $5 per month, you're not going to get stale articles or videos from 2008 promising you higher rates if you do these things. As a Feast Club member, you're going to be a part of a community of like-minded service providers building predictable income and systems to grow their business in today's market, right now in 2020. Support, confidence, and being challenged from everyone in Feast Club helps you make great strides to achieving the goals that you set out for when you started your business. This is a private community, but there's not some big golden gate that you need to pay a high price for entry. It's only $5 per month. Inside, you'll find stories, strategies, and resources for marketing, optimizing, selling, pricing, and building your services. Ultimately, it's a safe place for any designer, developer, or client services business owner to share ideas, get feedback, and get support. And yes, I have seen it. There have been Feast members to land a project or two together. You're also going to get access to a private Slack community and a super secret podcast, which I know you like podcasts because you're listening to this one. You're also going to get access to monthly live Q&As, virtual co-working sessions, and guest expert workshops. All of this for only $5 per month. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. And yes, again, it's only $5 per month, but for a limited time. Not sure how long that limited window is going to be, but if you join today, you'll lock that in for as long as you're a member. I hope to see you inside the club. Now let's get back to the conversation here between Gina and myself. 
what would you recommend to somebody that is, what would be the first sort of course of action to take? My thought is, is, hey, look, if you're furloughed or you were laid off, mm-hmm. you know that that work has to get done. Yeah. That you just now, that desk is empty, right? So the work that you did for 40 hours a week, would you suggest maybe just going back to them and saying, hey, look, I know this happened, mm-hmm. but I could do that work. Well, I think it's definitely a time for renegotiation. Now, the hard part that comes into play is all this like paycheck protection loan type stuff. Like it depends on how big of an organization you worked with and what kind of unemployment benefits that you might be incurring and how mm-hmm. long they go for. So maybe we present this situation as if their unemployment benefits are about to run out, right? That could definitely be a cause for a conversation with your former employer and say, hey, you know, it sounds like you guys still have a hiring freeze. Unemployment is about to run out. Like there's aspects that I can do of my job that I know are really important, but I don't necessarily need to be a full-time employee. Like do you guys hire and work with contractors? So an independent contractor, I mean, the people in your audience, they know the difference between self-employment and employment, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the the same thing if you had it. Like there are people that have one big contract and they're almost like an employee, but they're still self-employed. And this could be just a really good time for you to kind of take a look at that part of your business and say, okay, if this disappeared tomorrow, what am I going to do? Right? Mm -hmm. And so it might be asking for referrals and doing some uh, virtual networking so that you can make sure that you're kind of planning for the contingency side of life that does definitely happen. Mm. But yeah, I, I mean, one of my first clients after I left my day job was my employer. So basically what happened is I was part financial advisor in my own small practice. And then I did support work for them. And that included writing the financial plans for our office. And I um, helped to hire and train my replacement, which I took a lot of pride in doing because I'm a big fan of not burning bridges and Mm -hmm. leaving things better than you kind of left them or than you got them, I guess. And she wasn't a fully fledged advisor. And so she was taking on the majority of the support work of the role that I had. And one of the things she wasn't skilled in doing was writing these financial plans. And so the first five months after I left, I went and did that for like half a day once a week or something like that. And added another $500 a month to my income. And that was like the tipping point for me as I went from being able to max out what I was able to earn as a side hustle because I Mm -hmm. only had so many hours available in addition to my full-time job, in addition to having these two young kids. And so when I left, you know, there's like that gap right away where you have more time than you have income coming in. And so that was a very welcome surprise. And it got me through that next kind of transition in building my business. Mm. And so if there's people in your audience too, that, you know, are either trying to replace like a sudden gap because one of your clients have left or needed to part ways, or maybe you're still in the in the business building mode and you have that gap too. Like, it's hard and overwhelming to look at like the whole figure, right? So let's say that you had like a third of your income disappear overnight and maybe your income's $10,000 a month. So you're looking at over $3,000 to replace. Like try not to concentrate on that $3,000 number and maybe start thinking about the $500 number. Like how can you increase your revenue by $500 this next month? Mm. And I think just being open to opportunities is a good thing. I actually just had an email and you'll be the first one that hears it. And it's not like a done deal or anything, but I had a college reach out to me to become an instructor awesome, and teach some of the stuff that I do under their school, which who that's knows awesome. if it'll pan out or not, but like, that's kind of cool. Cause I'm mm-hmm. not like a professor, right? Like I don't have my doctorate in anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Congrats on that for sure. Thank you. And who knows if it'll pan out, if I'll even want to do it once you get into the nitty gritty of the conversation. But it's flattering for somebody to think about me in that way based on like this brand and business that I built for myself online. And I guess that would be another recommendation for people that are tuning in is like, what are you doing to build your brand and the marketing side of your business on a consistent basis? Will people notice you and will people think of you? And I think some of the most powerful ways to be able to do that are podcasting, which we're doing right now. Like it's an amazing medium to reach mm-hmm. people, especially if you don't consider yourself a very strong writer. YouTube has so much opportunity. It's insane. And that ties directly into search results when it comes to your website. Obviously, Google owns both that and the Google search engine and the Google tool suite and all these other fabulous products that they give us for free. And then like LinkedIn, I would probably spend some time on your LinkedIn profile too and make sure that you're using keywords in your 
description for what you call yourself. Mm-hmm. Some low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And to your point on the podcasting, I mean, for me, I'd much rather pull up a microphone and have a conversation with somebody than write a blog post, right? Mm-hmm. And I think podcasting is still on the incline, right? Yes. Like when I first started podcasting back in 2014, I had already been listening to podcasts prior to that where you actually had to download the files from websites, right? Like there was no Apple podcasts or any of that sort of stuff. No wonder it's more accessible now. I don't know that yes. I, like I would have probably known how to do that, but I wouldn't have listened on the regular because it wouldn't have been really user-friendly to me at that time. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's so hyper-specific to, you know, you could have a conversation if you're a designer, if you're a writer, if you're, you know, a developer or so on you can get in front of audiences that are specifically tailored to you and Mm -hmm. your ideal clients. And your voice is now in their head. Mm -hmm. Like they're on the treadmill, they're at the gym or wherever, and you're talking to them. And there's that marketing angle, Mm -hmm. right? Immediately, your voice is now in their head, sharing your expertise, maybe with somebody else, you know, on a conversation, but also bringing on awareness to things that you are working on too, right? So you can leverage that. Now, I know that you've helped many people with their podcasts and you have the podcast production school as well. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about what that entails and how somebody that might be thinking about podcasting as a marketing angle, especially now that there's time, pull up your iPhone even and record a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of different methods to be able to record these days and hit publish. And so one of the things that I just want to make sure to mention is that if you're marketing yourself, you can start your own show, which is kind of what you were alluding to, but you can also be a guest. Like I've been at a, a guest on people's podcasts, just like I'm doing right now for years. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way to be able to build authority and credibility. And it, it's so funny because I think back to that relationship with Brennan Dunn and he wrote a like a business year and review blog post on his site And he's had a podcast, I think, on and off for a while, but he's a real strong writer. That's definitely the medium that I can definitely identify with him. And he wrote that I was like a team member or whatever. And I got hired on that one post. And that wasn't like me writing a guest post on his website, which I also probably could have done if I would have asked or whatever. But it's just, you don't know where your opportunities are going to come from. So one of his audience members read that post, reached out to me directly, and then became my client for a couple of years. And Hmm. it was really fun to work with Mike. And it's just like nothing actually I did except for did good work for my client. So if you're not asking for referrals, you should probably be doing that too. (laughs) But yeah, Podcast Production School, that was created because we've been teaching people how to start a service-based business online for a long time. As I defined before, you know, our umbrella is virtual assistant, but really it doesn't matter the services or the skills that you offer. It's just something that people kind of identify with. Um, And so our second act within this focus of helping people is to help them to specialize and learn the hard skills necessary to do that and to get paid better. Because when you're starting as a generalist virtual assistant, you might be pricing yourself between $20 and $40 an hour. But the more that you specialize, it's easier to get in that $30 to $50 an hour mark. Or when I was at my height and taking on and servicing clients, I was earning over $100 an hour for my time. And I wasn't billing hourly. It was, you know, project mm-hmm. or retainer type work. And, you know, I was really efficient and good at what I was doing because I set up systematic processes and things like that, that I was able to transition back to the client once I left, which is also a great value add and nice way to be remembered as somebody of service and helpful. So the hard skills that go into running a podcast, if you've never done one yourself, is everything from editing audio to writing show notes. There's a whole like slew or like an entire side of like marketing and promotion that goes inside of it. But we break down each of the services under pre-production and post-production. So everything from like guest outreach. So if you wanted to have somebody on your behalf reach out to potential guests that would be great fit for your show and you didn't have the time to do that yourself, like that's a service that people can offer. They're, you know, obviously getting the show out there after it's been distributed and making sure it's getting in front of other people from a social media perspective, or you can design graphics. So you could have somebody on your team that would do all of the promo efforts for your guest. So after we left today, you know, that person would send me some 
infographics that I could share really easily on social media as well as the episode link and, and that sort of thing. Trying to think, what else am I missing? Repurposing is such a big deal and so understated. So we like to make ourselves work harder, not smarter at times. Mm -hmm. And instead, we really need to be thinking about, you know, this whole marketing engine and how do we do work once that we can reuse multiple times. So if you're recording a show and right now we have video on, I know you're not going to necessarily use the video element in the full scale but you can. You can use that video on YouTube. You can embed it in the back end of your website. And then you use the audio there as well as you know sharing it socially and you can get those show notes. And so that you're using video and audio and text, which um, Google favors more and more, especially video these days. And then there's the actual meat of the stuff, but then you can piece it off to do the promotional parts as well. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. I mean, nobody has an intention span anymore. So like 30 <laughs> minutes is pushing it, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it's funny because I have an, another podcast, right? Ask Res, which was an experiment. It was I was just answering a question. And so mm-hmm. it was five to seven minutes. And it was a question that I would get from whatever angle, email, tweet, whatever. And it's so funny that even though I have this podcast, long form, mm-hmm. and then I had Ask Res, even just looking at the data, the audiences were completely different. Yeah. What podcast catcher they used was completely different, right? Where they consumed it, whether it was on the website or just via email was different. Right? And so all of those things, like all of that comes into play and you say with repurposing, that's why one of the things that I have yet to do for this season will be the first time that I'm going to do that once this season is wrapped up. And so yep. you're the first one to hear about all of this anyway. We're sharing all the secrets on today's show. Which is grabbing clips of the episodes and sharing that out as like quick wins on X. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a smaller podcast. I don't know what the name of it is, but basically it's an Ask Res style, but all mm-hmm. of Live in the Feast episodes and repurposing it in that way. Yeah, I would challenge you to put that stuff up on YouTube. I think that people would eat it up. And then because it's a question answer type of thing, it's just primed for search engine optimization. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I do, the host that I use is Transistor. And they automatically pipe your podcast into YouTube as, I guess, whenever it posts. But it's just an image, but the podcast audio, right? And so somebody's pressing play and there's no video. It's just an audio thing. But I do get people coming from YouTube and emailing me and commenting on the podcast. And and I'm like, I'm doing the bare bones minimum here. All I did was take a box on my host and I'm still being found in YouTube. So it's super powerful. But it's because it's a search engine, right? Right. Like that and Pinterest are outliers when it comes to social media. We actually have a course coming out that's social media for virtual assistants at the beginning of June. So it'll probably have opened and closed for enrollment by the time that we talk, but it'll be open again in August. And we cover the top six social platforms. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. I think I said them all. And of course, there's more that are being added every day, but they're all unique. And I would say that Pinterest and YouTube are outliers and that they're really a better search engine than they are like this place for people to engage and connect. Mm. So it's really, really interesting. I dig all this stuff a lot, obviously. And I know you've been, you've been involved with Pinterest for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've only just started, like, I haven't even, I don't go on Pinterest. My audience, <laughs> it's okay. I don't know that my audience is there. My wife's on it all the time, especially right. for things for the kids, gifts, those sort of things. And I see the power of what she, you know, she pulls up recipes. She does all these things. And so it's funny to know, and I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but to find where your watering holes could be for potential clients, right? Yeah, The hard skills that you have as designer, developer, writer, wherever, to find potential work from other places that are underestimated or understated and people don't expect that. I think Facebook groups is a place that I would spend some time and we're of the same-ish generation, right? Like you were Facebook people. We're not like Snapchat mm. people. We're not that young. <laughs> Um, and TikTok. TikTok. I've seen TikTok. TikTok. (laughs) I I don't, I mean, people market on it too. And Mm -hmm. and I haven't kind of 
taken the time to delve into that. And they did on Snapchat too. I wonder if that's fading or if it's still as popular. But Facebook groups are still gold mines for getting work. So if you are listening to this and you're in need of clients, I would join some and focus on online business and entrepreneurship. If you know what your target market is, so the people that you enjoy working with, or you can take a look at maybe your favorite clients from the last several years and see, do they have anything in common or what kind of industries are they in? So online course creators, right? Like they're going to be in Teachables group or um, I think Epic probably has one or SamCard mm-hmm. or all these different tools. A lot of the times we'll develop communities around them that you're able to join a lot of higher level courses too will have community. So there's a little bit of a pay to play there. But I know that my friend, Caitlin Pyle, she teaches proofreading. And it's a no brainer for people to be in like self-publishing schools group Hmm. if they're interested in writing as well. And, and, you know, probably don't join it just for the chance to market, although I'm sure people do. But there's just conversations going on all the time in podcasting groups about podcasting, right? So it would make sense that me and the gals that I collaborated on podcast production school would go into them on a semi-regular basis and answer questions. And it's not about pitching ourselves as like the number one resource or I'm not going to give you any information unless you enroll in our course or something like that. It's just being authentic and helpful and kind of making a name for yourself. And those opportunities will come out of it eventually. Yeah, I think me and you are right on the same page there. That's something that I've done on Twitter for a long, long time, helping people solve drip problems, convert kit problems, WooCommerce problems, you know, just being out there, being in the community, being able to solve problems because the karma coming back, it's not something that's instantaneous that, hey, there is maybe 1% chance that that person says, hey, I want to hire you, right? <laughs> me, yeah. and not even that much. But if once you start hitting that helpful button, and well, and we'll say Twitter like, is public, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you're using any hashtags or people are doing a search on there, I mean, I, I haven't personally gotten hired from Twitter, but I know of other people that have, mm-hmm. whether they're writers or other services that they're offering. And I think that you're right. It's just being engaging and helpful. And if that person isn't looking, somebody else might be, right? And here's the thing about those services that you mentioned. No, nobody really wants to get super good at drip or convert kit when they're running a business that's completely different than what those tools are. So if you're like, what are some of the industries that some of your clients are in? Online courses, programs, okay. coaches, service providers. Their job is to create content and to do PR, mm-hmm. honestly, to get themselves out there as the thought leader and the expert in their field. It's not to be worrying about workflows and some trigger link and whatever else, mm-hmm. you know, And personally, like I'm in that business, right? And I was a former client of yours. I understand what I need to know, but it's not where I want to spend all of my time. 100%. And that's, I think, the difference. Like some clients will never be your best clients because they are too cheap or they need to have all of the control and they just have a hard time delegating. And yes, you can spend some time coming alongside them and trying to educate them. But that might be a battle left for somebody else. <laughs> and instead, you, you want to find people that have the pain points, have the problems that they need help solving, but that are also of the mindset of investing in help and scaling their time, their resources, and their energy. Yeah. And you can find out what those pain points are, like in the Facebook communities and things like that you mentioned. Or Quora and Reddit. like They're still relevant, right? Absolutely. And those... To be honest with you, Cora, I ran a little bit of an experiment on Cora maybe eight, 10 months ago. Okay. And just 30 days, I figured I'd go in there, answer a question a day, see what happens around a specific topic that I was just trying to target and seeing if I could get traction on that. I get requests coming from Cora. And this is now I haven't touched my profile in months. Yep. Still getting replies, upvotes. I've gotten a few clients through it. Nice. And so that is just a sticking point because as you said before, it's search engine. Google indexes it. People are searching for questions. If you answer the right questions that your ideal client is looking for, you're going to find more of your ideal client. And if you have a profile that's optimized, they're going to click on it and then they might head over to your website or whatever else. Like you don't have to put in your hire me page link as mm-hmm. you're answering the question. People are intelligent enough to be like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about and he's not begging for work. Mm-hmm. 
my sister who's in the room with me, she was telling me about somebody that was asking for help in either a Reddit or a Quora thread and, and talking about just graduating from college and the skill set that he had and being really worried about finding work. And I guess he got hired like this. And that wasn't his intention. He was looking for support and community and people to like come alongside him. So that was another kind of completely opposite approach of him being like, <laughs> Oh, I just graduated with my degree and I don't have, you know, a job and what am I supposed to do? And people are like, oh, I'll hire you. Like, cool. Computer science. We could use that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you never know who's looking. I mean, like you said, you just got that email popping into your inbox today about that opportunity. That wasn't outbound anything. Yeah. And so you have no idea who's going to see something that you put out there into that ether. Mm hmm. And what's going to resonate with somebody and present that opportunity for you. I think for me and for you as well, podcasting, whether it's guesting or hosting, I do both. That's the easy win for me to put myself out there and create some awareness, getting in front of people, having conversations. I'm a huge advocate. <laughs> I'm pulling up a microphone, pulling up your iPhone nowadays, just pressing record this anchor.fm. Mm -hmm. You don't even need to do anything, right? Like you just press record and, and away you go. But if you want to do it as a service, it does get more complex than that. And Anchor sure. isn't necessarily the way to build like a whole brand and do the repurposing elements and stuff like that. 100%. But to shortcut your journey of getting something out there, do it. Yeah. I mean, even if it's just to get your... Because the, reason, the only reason why I know about Anchor is because when I did the Ask Res show, mm -hmm. it was an experiment. And yep. I didn't want to have any tech in the way. And yep. I was like, can I even do this thing? Is it worth to do this, that, and the other thing? I had a hypothesis that I wanted to prove or disprove. And I just got the tech out of the way. Once I proved the hypothesis, pulled it off of anger and started doing the proper thing, you know? And so in the marketing space, I feel experimentation is good. But once you disprove or prove, you move fast. And yep. I know you're an advocate of that as well, specifically for the podcast school, because for me, I love podcasting, right? And we're on a podcast right now. Do you have any sort of quick wins for somebody that is interested in learning, maybe helping other podcasts, like you're saying, like, you know, to do the pre or post production? Like, what's the first step there? I mean, I think it's like anything when you're getting started with offering services online is taking like a skills inventory of what do you know how to do right now? What kind of gets your mind revved up to learn new things? And how do you then get in touch with the resources to make sure that you're doing it in the most effective manner rather than doing all the research and making all the mistakes? I mean, there's a lot of us that have been there, done that, right? Mm -hmm. And um yeah, it's fun because under that umbrella of podcast production in particular, there's, you know, a dozen different services that you can offer. So you can be right brain, left brain, creative, more analytical in nature. You know, like you could, there's clients out there that all they want to do is show up and speak in their microphone and they don't want to touch the rest. They don't want to outline their own shows. They don't want to set up any guests if they're going to have them. They don't want to touch the audio file on the back end once it's been recorded. It's just magic that it gets distributed to all of the platforms out there where you can tune into podcasts and shows up on their website and, you know, and, and, and. So, you know, if it's a medium that you enjoy, at least from the user perspective of ingesting information like you're doing right now and tuning into this podcast episode, it could be a really good fit for you. It's not as technical as people make it out to be, but there's roles or services that'll play more to your technical abilities if that's what you really like doing. Yeah, that's awesome. In the show notes, we'll link up all of the resources here. You could go check out Podcast Production School, get some ideas, get some inspiration and talk to Gina. Yeah, we have a couple of free workbooks that you're going to link to, I think. And mm -hmm. one of them is on podcast production, like a checklist of what goes into doing that job and the different roles. And then another one that's more about the individual services that you can offer underneath an umbrella as well as rates to charge and then launching a podcast checklist too. So if you're interested in doing your own show or the process of what it takes to get one from idea to iteration, that would be a good one. But they all three come together if it's something you're interested in and in learning more about. The fun part is too, is that you can create your own show and learn how to market and promote that yourself and get that marketing channel done for yourself. But you can also come alongside other business owners and these small business owners 
there's a lot of them that still are not online, which is crazy. And down, I mentioned we are in South Padre Island is where we just purchased that home and we'll continue to go down there in the winter for some time. You would be amazed to see how unresponsive their websites are if they have a website. And I'm highly doubtful that very many businesses on the island, which can do very, very well, especially during kind of high season, which is the summer for them, probably aren't podcasting and probably aren't on YouTube. And YouTube is kind of the next endeavor that we'll be teaching people the hard skills around. And it's really, when you think about it, when you think about like a tree trimmer or somebody that installs gutters or any like physical service that you can catch on video, like it's so easy to not only just record a video and get it up of you talking about your business, but then if you can also do it showing your business, you'll be leaps ahead of your competition. And then you can, you know, make sure that your SEO, your search engine optimization is focused in locally for your geography and where you're located. Hmm. So it's just a lot that people aren't doing that they probably should start doing in order to keep a competitive edge or to get one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I find the same thing, like even in the email space, just like, man, you don't have a lead magnet on your website. How do I learn more about you? Right? Like right? Even just those simple things. It's just like, it's amazing that in 2020, 2020. There's so much opportunity out there. You just kind of have to go look for it. Yeah. So if you're spotting some of these things yourself, like the biggest thing is not insulting other people, like for whatever reason, and especially the proofreading crowd, which I love them. There's a lot of crossover between my audience and my friend Caitlin's that I was talking about before. And I haven't lately, but I've been on the receiving end of quite a few pitches where they're like pointing out errors grammatically and saying, Hey, I can help you. And it's like, okay, I appreciate that. However, like you can't like call somebody out and tell them what they're doing wrong and then ask for them to hire you because nobody really gets excited about somewhat being insulted or being told they're doing something wrong. And then, so there's, I guess, a dance that's a little bit more Mm -hmm. delicate of pointing out that there is an error and that you're somebody that can fix it. So you want to make sure that you're not insulting people and that you're bringing maybe a problem or issue to light and painting it more as an opportunity for improvement. Mm Mm-hmm than something they're doing wrong. Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's, I mean, we could have a whole, whole nother episode on how to do all of that cold outreach and all that stuff. There is art and a science to it and it's more Mm -hmm. art than science. Yeah. So this has been awesome, Gina. I want to be respectful of your time, obviously. And before I let you go though, you said YouTube's next. Is that what's coming up in the next six, 12 months? Yeah. So Podcast Production School launched late last year. We've got that social media for virtual assistance course coming soon, very soon. And then Upload University is going to be the name of our kind of YouTube school. We're being cognizant of not using their name or likeness in ours in case they decide that that's not okay because they have a lot of power online. (laughs) So I do know that it's an area though, like I said, that it seems to be just ripe with opportunity. And and the cool thing is too, is not only can you market your business or your services, like there are not very many people that are saying that they're a developer or doing UI stuff or whatever and doing YouTube videos about it. So like if you're not and you're looking for clients, then probably start there because it's free. You probably have a Gmail account and you have a YouTube account therefore. And all you need to do is to film yourself on your iPhone or you can do it on your computer or whatever. It's not hard these days to do like a screencast And, you know, just introduce yourself, what it is that you do, and then center your speaking points on a very specific topic or question that you are answering. And while there are a lot of longer video content, there's a ton of really helpful content that's under 10 minutes long or even under five minutes long. And it's not something you'll be great at when you start doing it. But guess what? You can always pull them off and re-record them later. I wouldn't try and get it perfect the first time. But one of the... We're actually writing books and we're trying all sorts of fancy, fun marketing stuff. (laughs) But we're trying to make sure that we're experts in our field and that we're credible. And so as we're releasing courses, we're also releasing releasing books on Amazon. And we're just in the throes of writing the one on, on YouTube right now. And so you can offer any of these services as, you know, I'm like a strategist or a virtual assistant, I guess, for a business owner, but you can also apply these strategies to your own business and you can become like an influencer on YouTube and get paid. You need 4,000 watch hours and a thousand subscribers. Those are the minimums in a 12 month rolling period. And so as we're writing this book, I'm doing it with my brother who's got a successful channel. 
he has a friend that has like a local mechanic shop in Minnesota here. And he started producing videos just talking about what he does on a daily basis, fixing cars and they're very niche and targeted and things like that. But now he gets paid via Google AdSense for doing his job, recording it and sharing it with the world. So he has new foot traffic coming into his business. And then he's making kind of passive revenue by taking the extra step to answer questions and show what it is that he does. It's just like, when has that happened before? Like 20 years ago, you couldn't do that. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) So I think it's a lot of like opportunity and you don't have to be like the best of the best. You're just kind of bringing people alongside you and you're not promising that they're going to get the same results or even really taking a teaching role. It's just more of like, here's how I do it kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of times people just want that sort of content. They want to know that there is somebody out there that's a few steps ahead of them in their same journey. And so how can I learn from that person? Right. And most of the people are going to be do-it-yourselfers. And that's great Mm -hmm. because guess what? They're the ones that are watching your videos to the end so that they know how they do it right. And they're probably watching it two or three times to make sure that they got the steps in order. But then there's that subset of people that one to 10% that would rather hire you then do it themselves. And those right. are the service clients. But get you can have revenue on both sides of that fence and it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I'll be on the lookout for that as well because I have yet to dabble in the YouTube space. It's in the plans, but I'll be on the lookout for that myself. We're just hitting it hard. So if you go look at our channel right now, it doesn't look like much from a subscriber account, but we've also had like four different Gmail accounts associated with YouTube and then consolidated (laughs) them manually and you lose subscribers every time you do that. So we're getting our shit together too. (laughs) (laughs) Leave that out. (laughs) Family show. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Gina, for sharing some time and your experience and wisdom with us today. Where where can folks reach out and, and say thanks? Yeah. Um, Horky is my last name. It's German, H-O-R-K-E-Y. Handbook is our main website. So HorkyHandbook.com. Our courses in the future are kind of going off into their own domain. So PodcastProductionSchool.com, if you're interested in that. And then UploadUniversity.com will be up soon. Cool. Awesome. And we'll link up all of those in show notes. And uh, again, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. And for everyone listening, until next time your time to live in the feast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I can speak for both Gina and myself by saying that we'd love to hear the one single takeaway that you got from this episode. Now I know that there was a lot in there, but I just want to hear one. It's really simple in the podcast app of choice, which presumably it's this one that you're listening to right now, go ahead and drop in a comment or a review, whatever works. Or go ahead and share it in a tweet. Tag me at res. That's with three Z's and I'll be happy to respond to it. Don't forget to also hit that subscribe button so that you're going to be the first to listen in next week when we dive into another success story on building your business. Till then, It's your time to live in the feast.